I have learned some things about grief, and I have learned some things about death. I know that you have too. You have lived, and you have loved, and I know this is true. You have lost. You have watched strapping young bodies grow frail over time. You have helped folks move from cane to walker to wheelchair to bed. You have agonized trying to decide about long-term care. You have provided oxygen. You have picked someone up from a fall. You have watched brilliant minds turn back into children, then fade to dark, reminding even those you love of your name and the day and where they are. You have faced shocking loss. Some have died too young. Some have taken their own lives. And God loves them just as much this day as God did the day they were born. Some cancers came out of nowhere. Some endured financial strain for decades and it wasn't fair. Some never knew joy or only caught glimpses of her light. Some lived long lives and died gently as if falling asleep, a blessing. Some have known the miracle that is hospice. Some never had the chance to make that choice. You two dear friends, you have learned some things about death, and you have learned some things about grief. When you have time, I hope you will tell me some of the things you have learned. Here are some of the things I have learned. I want to tell you part of my story, not to make this about me, but to do what Lauren Winter says memoir can do, to Tell my story, and maybe you will see something of yours in it, too. I have learned that death scares us, and that the gallows humor is real. You should know, for example, that Bruce and Alvin plan to haunt each other in the cemetery from opposite graves. <laughs> and if one dies first, there's a, there's a plot to move the other. I just think of all the ways that we euphemize death. He passed on. She moved on. They transitioned. Or, as my godmother Libby, who's with us online tonight, has insisted, after negotiation, insisted that we include in her obituary, Libby lived well. She cacked on Tuesday. We have a hilarious poster about the character Death going through daily chores. You know, Death does the laundry. Death gets stuck on I-85 and will be right there. Death uninstalls windows. It was the 90s. Death may already be a winner. And there is an order of succession for that poster. Who gets it in the few years after she cacks? But I will be its rightful owner. And that, my friends, is love. And that's another thing I have learned that the harder you love someone, the harder you grieve their death. 
Some funerals we attend because we are good friends and we are good family members. And we sign the book and we shake hands and we meant all that we said and we had empathy with us, but we could also go on with our day. Lunch wasn't so hard that day. But there are some that really hit you. Do you know what I mean? Some that you really feel. No one should ever have to bury a child. But tragically, we have folks with us tonight who have. Who have had to bear that burden. Others have buried a beloved spouse or partner, a best friend, a parent. And these are the relationships that form us year after year after year after year after year. For me, it was burying my dad. We were so close. And he was funny and smart and stubborn and wonderful. And I still have his number in my phone. He was a wounded healer. A broken man who got his life back together. And made so many things right. Not everything. But Lord, did he try. I remember even as he was dying, he was trying to coordinate all of his affairs. And the wedding anniversary was just a few weeks before he died. And he had forgotten it, but when I reminded him, he called Lib and he asked her to get the nicest bouquet she could buy. At Rainbow Foods, mind you, because he knew they had the cheapest flowers in town. And that was that, in a nutshell, he forgot his own anniversary, but still remembered floral prices across the greater metro. And long after he could speak, he was still sorting imaginary files with his hands. I know some of you have experienced this in the last days and weeks of life. He wanted to make sure we were taken care of that mom could pay off the mortgage, that college would get paid for over time, that the family would be okay, and we are, and we will be. And when he died, I felt a hole open inside that is healing, but will never be the same, like a scar after surgery. So I don't love metaphors for grief. I think they can be, they miss it. You know, it's bigger than whatever metaphor you could choose. But I'm drawn to this notion of a journey. It's a winding path to walk, sometimes up, sometimes down, sometimes changing over time. And the psalmist gets it right. Out of the depths, out of the depths have I called to you, O Lord. My soul waits for the Lord. More than watchmen wait for the morning. And there are moments when you you do start to doubt the goodness of God. And a friend reminded me that the, the harder you love, the deeper you love, the harder you also will grieve. And that's kind of beautiful because it shows the capacity of the heart. 
the harder you love, the harder you grieve. And, and isn't that beautiful? Because it shows the capacity of the heart. You know what else I learned about grief is that love can multiply our joys. It can divide our sorrows. I'm talking about the kind of love you feel when you bury the most important person in your life. I want to invite you after the service to the cemetery, which is beautifully lit. I know some of you have loved ones there. Their bodies are buried there. It's stunning what Alvin has done there. And you probably have a memory of this church or some other church in your life, and your community showed up for you. And then your family and your friends, they took you out to lunch, and they called you a month after the funeral, and they aren't scared of your sadness. They're right there with you. They don't try to explain it away. They don't try to walk it away. They're just there. They hold space with you. And they love you when you're a hot mess. And that's why, in those moments, you know that love multiplies joys and divides sorrows. God is in that mess. So where else is God in this conversation about death? I think the church has spent a lot of time capitalizing on the fear of death in not helpful ways. They literally created the idea of paradise to fundraise a basilica in Rome. And they sold indulgences. And I understand, like, you want to raise money and people are scared, and I get that. But there's so many better ways to raise money, you guys. Just, like, talk about what God is, right? And in in some ways, the Requiem text, which is the Mass for the Dead, I'll be honest, it contains some snippets of this toxic theology. We don't believe that anymore. God is defined by unconditional love, and love does not punish or cast away or torment. It never has, and it never will. And so for these reasons, I love the way Gabriel Fauré edits, changes the Requiem text to craft the kind of theology he could get on board with a respected French organist. He had played beaucoup funerals at the Madeleine in Paris, the top of this gorgeous hill with the famous organ. We can still play that organ to this day. He knew the texts, and he actually said in interviews that he didn't like them. So for his masterpiece, he changed them. God bless a snarky organist. Or better, a liturgist who loved his Lord and does theology through his music. You can hear it in the room tonight with this incredible choir and orchestra. You know, Paul talks in Romans of sighs too deep for words, and that's what this music is for us. So, God bless you, primary theologians, this evening. Throughout Foray's Requiem, he's highlighting comfort and rest. He's diminishing the day of judgment, elevating the P.A. Jesu, gentle Jesus, grant them eternal rest. And that's why that becomes the highlight of our liturgy this evening when we invite you to light a candle for those you have loved and lost, those who have died in your life. But Foray wasn't just writing for a gig. This was personal for him. 
His dad died in 1885, and his mom was dying and ended up dying on New Year's Day, 1887. He begins the piece as she lays dying. He finishes it in his grief. What can we say about life after death? What's a word you can take with you this evening? Paul sings in Romans, For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will ever, ever separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that's what you can take with you tonight. That nothing will ever separate you or anyone in the world from God's love. Not even death. And that's what I think about death. That God was and is and ever shall be and that God is love and so therefore God's love is and was and ever shall be. That nothing will ever separate us and when we die, we live because we rest gently with Jesus. In the sure and certain knowledge of God in the nearer presence of God and with that great cloud of witnesses, all saints and all sorts, everybody in that cemetery and all the other cemeteries and all the people who haven't been buried, waiting to welcome us home. And this is why we can stare death in the face and we can proclaim with adequate nerve, where, O death, is thy victory? Where, O death, is thy sting? This is why we can proclaim hallelujah anyhow, yet even at the grave we make our song, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And so when you leave this place, I pray that you may weep and mourn as deeply as from the depths as the psalmists. I pray you may find solace in memories and the support of your friends and your family. I pray that you may celebrate whatever was good and true, and enduring in your relationships, that you may release to God's healing whatever was unfinished or broken. I pray that through and in your grief, you may sense God's peace, which passes all human understanding. May it guide your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of Christ Jesus, our Savior. And may you trust that nothing will ever separate you from the love of God. Yet, even at the grave, we make our song, Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Amen.